0: Welcome to Planet Upload. Planet Upload is a weekly podcast that takes an unfiltered look at the creator ecosystem, online video, and the social media landscape. I'm Lauren Schnipper, creator and online video expert.
1: And I'm Joshua Cohen, co-founder of TubeFilter and the Streamy Awards. Lauren. Yes. How are you?
0: I'm hydrating. So I got this bottle of water that's got all these like it's like the equivalent of like, you know, eight glasses of water on it. And it tells you, OK, by 8 a.m. you should be here. By 10 a.m. you should be here and et cetera. All the way to 8 p.m. I feel it's thir- day three. I honestly feel like I could change the world. I-, I think most of the world is in a bad mood because they're not hydrating. Discuss.
1: Hard disagree. But did you get this from a Instagram drop shipper? How'd you find this product?
0: Mommy group on Facebook. So close.
1: Close, close second. Did close you second. buy it? Did you buy it with your new TikTok money?
0: <laughs> I bought it with my new TikTok money. <laughs> yeah, 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 I did. I did. It's exciting. It's exciting. It's exciting me all the opportunities that the TikTok money is affording me. So, yeah. Uh-huh.
1: You're you're in this first round of creators to receive part of the billion dollar TikToks creator fund?
0: So you want to go right there. Let's go to the big stories. We're back to the TikTok hour. So um, it is true. It is true. TikTok has announced who they are giving some of the money to. Uh so let's 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 get into it. So a couple couple notable names, David Dobrik, Avani Gregg, and I don't know if you know who he is, but Ross Smith is on this list. Ross Smith is a at least at one point was a really big Facebook uh kind of video star. I worked with him a ton when I was there. He's famous for doing these videos with his grandmother and um he had a lot of issues though because his content when the algorithm was changing didn't really go with the algorithm it was a whole thing and i felt so badly because he's such a good guy well anyway he's part of this money that they're bringing they're they're starting to dole out so as as stated before they're going to be giving out about a billion dollars but they're starting with 200 million and they're going to – they're trying to dole this out to creators that have more than 10,000 followers, 10,000 video views within the last 30 days. So, yeah, those people are on the list. It's not really cl- – it's not clear how much money they're getting in, in like – but they are saying that they're – it's kind of regular payments. So it's not, like, just one lump sum.
1: And to be clear, TikTok announced this last month that they were gonna have this huge fund to pay creators and they were going to open up some type of application form in August. This first round of 19 recipients precedes that application process.
0: So, okay, I was wondering that. Yeah, I because it seemed quick that this happened. So they, they cherry picked these people.
1: Totally, and maybe it was because of the political climate, maybe it's because they wanted to have a PR move or something, I don't know. It was an interesting PR move, especially because I feel like this is one of geopolitical events notwithstanding, one of TikTok's first big kind of like PR missteps. Oh, interesting. I just wouldn't have gone about it this way because they have, and from the start of the pandemic to preceding this announcement, been very on key and on point with all of their messaging about how Mm. they want to donate a ton of dough. Mm -hmm. and offer creators a ton of dough to really support communities and the creator economy Mm -hmm. throughout this whole pandemic. And then they want to really be a place where creators can produce and thrive and put their art and have fun. They want to be a platform for that. So they want to pay creators in order to sustain that creativity that they're all putting on the platform now for basically Mm -hmm. free outside of sponsored deals, Mm -hmm. which is great. And then they announce the first recipients of this fund, and it's these huge names. Huge, yeah. David Dobrik's a huge name. Some of these others are less huge names, but all still, the vast majority of the 19 people, all pretty big names.
0: I, I, I mean, I, I thought, that was my initial gut. I was like, here, I, I have. There's two sides of the coin because, like, yes, Dobrik is huge. I think somewhere I read that they were like, well, Dobrik's not that big on 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 TikTok yet. David Dobrik is already really big on TikTok. He has 20 million followers on on TikTok. So I, I wouldn't say that he's not you know he, you know he's he's already really big so i kind of felt that too it felt like an interesting crop of further first kind of going out with with names. On the other side, this kind of goes back to the whole Krasinski argument of like, oh, you know, he's already successful. He shouldn't, he sold out because he sh- sold his, you know, some good news to whatever, what do you sell Viacom or whatever. And I'm sort of just like, well, that's not fair, right? If you have something that's of value and you sell it just because you've been successful before, doesn't mean you shouldn't be successful now. And I think the same for Dobrik. Like, I know, you know, uh, Dobrik's, yes, he's done very well, but I, I Happen to know that he's somebody who's always thinking about the future. He knows this is like a, you know, people can come and they can go. So like he's maybe earned it, but it's just it goes to show that like, yeah, what does it take? Are you trying to prop up people that aren't big yet? Are you trying to, you know? On the other hand, it's like this guy is so big on the platform, yet he can't make any money on the platform, which like that's not really fair either, right? And I mean, I can tell you that. You know, take a Ross Smith who was huge on Facebook. He couldn't make any money on Facebook for a very long time. Not sure if he's in monetizing now, but like that was really hard for creators. And especially like I worked with a ton of Viners that moved over to Facebook and they were doing a lot of shady stuff on the platform to try to, you know, monetize what they had built. Like, posting these shady links from these shady companies that I won't mention that, you know, would really downgrade them in the algorithm. And then they would erase them and they'd be like, I don't know why my, you know, Facebook isn't, my, my page isn't getting any views anymore. And they would think that I couldn't tell that they've been doing this stuff. and But I also would understand it. So there's kind of two sides to the coin. I think considering kind of where we are and like like you said like the where TikTok is it probably would have been a better move to like go out with like people that are kind of more up and coming and unknown i think that probably would have been a little bit better of a move
1: to be fair they did that a little bit they
0: have a little bit yeah
1: they have cheyenne jazz wise who has 53.5 thousand followers who uh, is a cosplay creator from Las Vegas and currently in fur- furlough due to COVID-19 uh, from her seamstress job. So they have done that in, in a certain number of cases, but I think kind of like David Dobrik doesn't need more dough. No fault to David Dobrik for taking this money. Do what you can and he creates a lot of value for TikTok and if TikTok wants to come to you well, that's, and, that's and pay you for thing. creating that value, I think that's great. Yeah. I just think it's a more of a misstep on TikTok's part where I think they could have used this first round to really prop up the like long tail and mid tail and mid kind of tier of their creator community and it was. It would have been a very powerful kind of first step to show that like, hey, we're really about empowering up and coming creators. And hey, and, and they could have even said, we know lots of big creators are on this platform. We're going to get to you too. And they could have done that behind the scenes or something as well. And we know you're making a lot of money because we can see the brand deals you're doing on this platform. We want to take care of our core kind of up-and-comers first and the people that really helped establish this platform and then we're going to get to you but like having the name david dobrik here it's good for pr uh in a certain sense because david dobrik's a big name people are going to read this they're going to know about this creator fund etc but i think it overshadows the kind of other creators that they hope to build up through this process
0: i think that those debates were going on internally i guarantee it and i think the you know the two sides were you know Again, it's about, well, this guy is doing so much on this platform, yet we have not given him anything. And like, what if he goes elsewhere and we could alienate, you know, certain people who have like moved over here and are killing it. And and then and also, you know, you know, the comms team is like this will give us a lot of visibility if we have somebody like that. And the other side, it kind of fundamentally goes against TikTok sort of, uh, you know, uh, what's it called? I always forget the acronym FYP. Yeah, FYP for you page. F- yeah, for the for you page. It kind of goes again. Like the whole thing with the for you page and like the whole concept of it is it's like a really great way to discover unknown talent. And so, and that's kind of something that, you know, TikTok, they put that more to the forefront than people that already have big followings, which again, I've heard people say that like, well, it's very frustrating because yes, I can be discovered, but then once I get these followers, nobody can really find me. So it's like, you know, it's a little bit of a tough um, balance. But so I think those debates were going on. And ultimately, obviously, this is what won out, that they felt like the name David Dobrik was big enough to get them a lot of press, that he's done a ton of stuff. He and some other big people have done a ton of stuff on the platform. But then there's people like a Spencer X, and maybe I'm not as cool as I pretend to be, but I've not really heard his name, yet he's got 40 million fans. And so he's probably maybe not making as much money. And they need to also like take care of those people, because that's a guy who's I think born and bred on TikTok, where Dobrig's not born on TikTok, right? Like he was born on YouTube. And so, it, it you know, I think there's a lot. It's not black and white. I think there's a lot of different ways that they could have gone about this. And, you know, I think that there was probably a thought that this was kind of splitting the difference. Right. You're getting some smaller people, some bigger people, and you're getting some good comms out of it.
1: I think the the more interesting ones are, like you said, the Ross Smith, who early Viner too even before Facebook and such a yes. such a genuinely nice guy. Oh, I think my it's God. Great the nicest guy. Here. And then also the like guy. Brittany Tomlinson, who is the Kombucha Girl. If anyone helped to like, uh, oh, right. if, the there's, if there's, girl. If there's any individual her. that helped the popularity of TikTok early on, I think you could put like definitely a pin in kind of the the chart of TikTok popularity of when that video happened, and that would be could be considered like one little inflection point. So good to see that she is getting some compensation for the stuff she's done for the platform and continues to put on the platform now.
0: It'll be interesting to see what, first of all, how often they're going to release these lists. Like, is it going to be like a press announcement? Is it just going to be like how public it's going to be? Because I, I think it's interesting, you know, having been at Facebook when we've like kind of never given this much kind of money out, but like given other money out, I don't know. It's in my experience, they're normally, you're not as public about these kind of lists. So it'll, it's just, TikTok's just such a fascinating I, what I, I love, you know, one of the other things that they just did, as an example, they're, they're launching, they just launched an Amazon Fire app. Like, the speed at which they're doing all this stuff, like, it took forever for Facebook to decide to do original content, and it took forever for them to, like, get it on smart TVs, and I don't know, like, there's just... It's just such an interesting and and they move a lot quicker than like YouTube, right? So like the how fast TikTok is moving and how they're just like breaking all these quote unquote rules about like, sure you can link directly out to Twitter, sure you can link directly out to Instagram, sure we're gonna just like pay people a bunch of money. We're not gonna like, you know, kowtow around this and try to like spend years figuring out how to monetize your content. We're just gonna like give you a ton of money. I don't know, it's so refreshing. And it's just like you don't have to do, you don't have to wait. You don't have to figure all this out. You can like kind of do it as you go, which is again interesting because Facebook, I feel like, thinks that they're doing that, but they're not. I mean, we're like five years in and people are not still trying to figure out how to monetize on Facebook. So I think this is in a lot of ways refreshing. And I think they're gonna iterate as they go. Like we'll see, we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, two, two reasons why they're able to do that. One, because video is their core. With the exception yeah. of YouTube for Facebook and all these other platforms, video is an ancillary thing that would be great to figure out, but not necessarily integral to their core businesses.
0: But it became, but I mean, when I got there in 2014, it would, that was the time when it was pivoting and it did become integral to the business. Like it was like, it was like, oh wow, video is so huge. You know, we need to, again, there was like two engineers on video when like right before I got there and then it became huge. And by the time I left, there was Facebook watch and they still weren't monetizing the launch, uh, the launch of Facebook watch. It took a, it took a while. Like there was, there was a very small beta test. I mean, it just, and it was constant, these conversations internally about like, should we even do that? Like, is, is YouTube even a good business model? They're giving away 55% of their money or whatever it is. You know, it's like, it's just the, the debating and the back and forth and TikTok's like, here, here's a check guys. (laughs) Go
1: Right, and and I think they're able to do this because reason number two, they just have the team that has seen it from the inside out that all these other uh, video platforms. Vanessa Pappas is the GM of the Americas at TikTok, and yeah. she was early on in the online video and YouTube ecosystem, and yeah. That Networks. And then when Next when YouTube acquired Nexting Networks, because they realized That Networks was better at propping up creators and YouTube best practices than YouTube was then she was at YouTube forever before heading over to TikTok. So she's seen this from the inside out, knows the playbook and knows how to support creators. And she's doing that here, which I think is awesome. And because of those two reasons, they're able to disseminate their content wherever they want at, like you said, this incredible speed. The Amazon Fire TV distribution is particularly interesting just because it's going to be long form stitched Mm -hmm. together TikTok shows on Amazon Fire TV. I think that'll be super interesting to see how that goes and a potential another
0: huge revenue stream and distribution mechanism for TikTok and the creators on it. Getting to the next kind of topic around TikTok, you know, there's been a Forbes article talking about, you know, Addison Ray, Charlie D'Amelio, how they're you know, raking at five million plus, you know, Charlie's in the four million category. And what I first of all, what I love about this is the the people making the most on TikTok, or I should say off of TikTok because it's brand deals and other things, are women, which is actually kind of awesome.
1: Crazy numbers that we're seeing these big TikTok stars make annually last year, but also kind of small too. I think we're going to start to see those numbers balloon for this year. I mean, just in the first several months of this year, or even in the last couple months post the start of the pandemic, Charlie and Dixie D'Amelio have been the spokespeople for big, huge, multinational brands. Uh, Addison Rae has launched her own makeup line. All of these names that you see at the top of these lists are doing a bunch of different endorsement and brand deals that are going to just add to their bottom lines i mean every year forbes also puts out the list of like top grossing youtubers and it's like Ryan's toy reviews pewdiepie lily singh all making seven eight figures even mm-hmm. like I-, I wouldn't be surprised if these
0: tiktokers are-, are on top of them for next year it's on the speed i mean the fact that it was a year ago june i think that charlie d'amelio first posted her first TikTok video, it's just like, what was I doing last June? <laughs> I should have been dancing in front of my <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, oh my god, can you imagine? And like Addison Ray was like a, a college kid. And I I mean this isn't the first time we've seen this, but I think the speed, the speed at which the, the these people have grown is just crazy. I mean, she's like she was like, All right, I'm done, I'm leaving school, <laughs> like I'm gonna go. And why, you know, she's going to go capitalize on this. And why shouldn't she? I mean, she yeah, deals with American Eagle, Spotify, podcast with her mother. She's got the makeup line coming out. I mean, it's just crazy. Can you imagine, like, I mean, you went to college. I went to college. Can you imagine being, like, I don't know, a sophomore and, like, one day you're worried about an exam. The next day you're, like, moving to L.A. and, like, launching a makeup line. I can't imagine I mean, that
1: at all. But I imagine crazy. every single sophomore in college right now imagines that every single day.
0: Every day. <laughs> Yeah, we didn't have though we weren't at liberty to imagine such things at that time. <laughs> oh man, it was like don't fall on your face in the basement of SAE. What? I never did that. That is not a thing that happened. Um yeah, on just really quickly on the long for on the uh on the Amazon Fire, Nick Tran, TikTok's head of global marketing. Was talking about. So he said it's you know it's unique uh, in the sense that you're not going to be interacting with it all. You're going to lean back and consume it. It's a lean back, long form consuming uh, kind of experience. And so, and also, I thought this quote was really interesting. He said, "Content that we used to think of as mobile first is now being consumed on the biggest screens at home." So from January to June, apps created by mobile first developers saw uh, more than 70% increase in total hours on Fire TV in the U.S. And then I just was thinking in my head like, oh, Quibi. You know, because <laughs> it's just like, Quibi's, in, I mean, not that a lot of other apps aren't kind of mobile first, but it just makes me think of Quibi, but it, it Yeah. I think it's really interesting. So we'll see We'll see how this does if, if anybody's going to be really watching it here. But they're going to have playlists and compilations of popular TikTok videos. It'll all be curated by TikTok, and they'll do interviews with TikToks creators and stars, which I think that's really interesting, and other content there, and other content as well.
1: Props to Nick Tran, too, who joined as the head of global marketing at TikTok in April. He's a marketing rock star. I mean, mm-hmm. he's like, uh, I feel... He just hops okay. from company to company that are doing crazy, cool, good things. He was a digital marketing lead over at Taco Bell eight to 10 years ago when they started first doing all their influencer, big influencer marketing. Wait, and he media was the stuff. Taco
0: Bell. Oh my God. I talk about Taco Bell all the time. They were the first big sort of brand to work with creators. Yeah, oh, I love Totally. Nick Tran. Why don't
1: 100%. I, then yeah. he moved to, he was at the socks company for a little bit, Stan Socks. Then he was at Samsung most recently at Hulu before TikTok. Hulu, one of his very cool campaigns was this sold out campaign where he had this idea because he was talking to his younger nieces and nephews that kids today, it's a goal for them to be able to sell out. It's a goal for them to get sponsored. So why not do a Hulu ad campaign that's all about that. We pay these big celebrities and these celebrities are like open and honest about how they're selling out and they're promoting Hulu because that's what the kids wanna do these days. So just like ingenious stuff like that. So props to TikTok for picking him up too.
0: Wow. I, 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 That's that's crazy. All right. Moving on really quickly. So Facebook, I think this is really interesting. Facebook, speaking of giving money to creators, launched this week uh, a new program for black creators. So we are committing twenty five million to black creators this year to better support the black community on Facebook and Instagram. As a part of this investment, we're launching a new program to equip the next generation of black creators with the funding and resources to succeed. I think this is awesome. But like coming on the heels of like talking about TikTok, it feels like twenty five million is like pennies. That's my only, that's my only critique of this, but I think this is really great. I'm very curious of, you know, the only sort of stipulations that they kind of talk about is that you, uh, the program is intended to amplify Black voices and is geared towards Black creators age 18 plus with a minimum of 10k followers on Facebook or 10k followers on Instagram. You must reside in the U.S. and those are basically the only kind of criteria that they have stated so uh, it'll be really interesting I, i'm just curious what 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 they have what they have to do with the money like in some of the press are just talking about like what would you do if you had like resources and you and you could do whatever you wanted like what would you do if you had the resources community and funding to make your dreams come true which you know to me it's like you know, yeah, how how to help people become maybe like from part-time to full-time creators. I think this could be really interesting. It doesn't really talk about the amount of money they're giving. So very, a lot of, a lot of questions still, but I think this is, I think this is great. I also think this is pretty fast, this, that they kind of, if you considered kind of like the BLM movement and like when this announcement was made, it's like, you know, a month or so that it took them to get this together. And that's pretty quick in in that kind of a environment and that kind of a corporate structure.
1: I guess hats off to Facebook for doing something. But like you said, immediately following a conversation about TikTok seems like such a low dollar amount. It really does. And also what TikTok has, again, geopolitical espionage notwithstanding, what TikTok (laughs) has is the benefit of being a kind of platform where you can't poke a lot of holes in it in terms of the other stuff that's happening on the platform with Mm -hmm. Facebook they're giving all this money to this black creator funds which is great and on the other side they're letting like the free flow dissemination of racist memes and topics and QAnon conspiracy theories run rampant through millions of people and so, so you,
0: I, I, it's, it's hard to reconcile <laughs>
1: right it's super hard yeah. to reconcile and I think that's yeah. something that maybe because TikTok is a young platform and people haven't kind of figured out how the red pillar infiltrate it yet maybe that's part of it too or maybe they're like super cognizant of that from the beginning and they're trying to make it a safe place that will continue to be a safe place especially Kevin Mayer being coming over from Disney probably wants yeah. it to be a safe place yeah um, but y- th- there's no buts there's no buts when you talk about tiktok a little bit again geopolitical espionage notwithstanding i mean that's the but but, though right like that is the but but
0: and if it turns out to be something crazy nefarious is going on that's a pretty big but you know but if it turns out you know that it's not then 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 there's no buts yeah
1: sure but like facebook did this great thing but right they're facilitating a ton of hate on the platform every single day
0: and it just feels like, you know, the, the the dollar amount again, like I can remember being, you know, I came, I was this scrappy producer and, and coming in and I remember actually one of the first things I did, uh, activation was at the streamies. If you remember Josh, like we, we did a photo booth at, there was like a, this is like six years ago, there was a photo booth at one of the dinners sponsored by teen, teen Vogue, one of the teen magazines. I can't remember which one it was. And we were, and it was the first, that was the year that was the first time that any um creator was on, I think it was Bethany Moda. She was on the cover of one of those magazines and it was, we were going to sponsor it. And we're like, oh, it's the Teen Vogue Dinner. Well, the whole thing. And a lot of the creators, and so this was the craziest thing. So we spent, I think like 10,000 between like, you know, the photographer just setting everything up and whatever. And a lot of the creators didn't want to do the photo booth because it was going to live on, I think, Teen Vogue or whatever, their Instagram. And they felt like, well, they're already giving that Publication a ton of press because they've been in their magazine and they knew at the time that like their kind of value was like uh, slowly but surely like bigger than theirs, so they didn't feel like they want to do it. And so I was flipping out because I think we only got like they only posted like three times with three different creators, and I was like losing my mind, like, oh my god, we spent ten thousand dollars and I got like three photos, of, I'm gonna get fired, this is insane. And I mean, like, to say that it was a drop in, like, this isn't even a drop in the drop of the bucket. This is like a drop on top of the drop in the bu- like bucket, like, if that. I mean, it was just, it's it's laughable to think that I was worried about having spent that amount. Because, by the way, I learned a lot. I made changes moving forward. Like, after that, we were like, okay, never, it's all about just posting, doing great experiences for the creators to post on their own socials. It was, like, great learning, right? And, and all that, and that makes sense. And it was just, so $25 million is not $10,000, but it's also still – it's not that much money for Facebook. It's just not at all. 100% Facebook. and just yeah. on the
1: Streamys front. Then the next year – we did a great photo booth at the event yes. itself yes. and I still see people uses their avatar Every images day. all over the all place. the time
0: but there's some of my shout out to Hilary Gertler who's my fabulous production designer who uh, I come up with and she just makes it everything amazing um yeah the, we we did amazing photo booths oh I know still still to this day. actually you know who uses not the next year but the following year when we did like the the light thing or whatever. Dan Levitt, long haul management manager, he still uses that. I see that lots, all the time. Lots, of people do. It's great. <laughs> lots of people do. They use their, those photos. Great photos. Anyway, it's just interesting. The numbers low. That's where I think that's that's the that's the end of it. We need to quickly talk about how YouTube reinstated monetization for Steven Crowder fourteen months after his racist, homophobic attacks on Carlos Maza. What's interesting about this is a lot of things, you know, obviously there's a lot of kind of YouTube controversies going on. There was no set sort of number as to how many months or days or whatever that he was gonna be suspended. And, you know, you know, a PewDiePie, this happened to, they reinstated him. And so, you know, obviously there's people that are upset that he's back. YouTube is claiming that they've been monitoring him for a long time and that he's been quote unquote sort of behaving himself. But it just begs to the question of like how long is too long how long is too short what there's there doesn't seem to be a lot of consistency in these policies as to like when and how they reinstate and and you know you're never going to make everybody happy and i wouldn't expect to but it's just it's definitely Caused a lot of uh, concern for people. I know Carlos Maza, you know, was tweeting a lot about him being incredibly upset with this and feeling like YouTube is, you know, not making the right move reinstating him. YouTube's quote was, creators who are suspended from the YPP can reapply for access. And after careful consideration, we will be reinstating um, Stephen into the program today. That was uh, as of yesterday.
1: So this all started 14 months ago when Carlos Maza got frustrated because he had continually reported Steven Crowder's actions to YouTube. Nothing happened. So while he was working at Vox, he edited edited together this like two minute clip of all the terrible, horrible things that Stephen Crowder had said about him, including calling him a lispy queer and an anchor baby. And it was really atrocious, especially seeing all those things side by side. And so then... What happened as a result of this is that Stephen Crowder and Carlos Maza became the center of attention for a couple weeks. And Stephen Crowder tried to capitalize off of that by also creating a shirt that said socialism is for F word.
0: There's a lot of F words out there, but people can guess what it is. (laughs) A derogatory term for gay people. Correct.
1: So. Mm -hmm. That. Exacerbated everything even more and it eventually got to a point where YouTube's first kind of reaction to all of this was uh, What he's doing is okay. What he's doing is not okay. It's okay for him to sell the t-shirts But he can stay on the platform Maybe we're going to demonetize him etc. It was very confusing kind of how they were approaching this from a PR perspective they weren't very explicit with what actually was going on and they had to correct themselves a few times but in the end they took him off the partner program, suspended him from there, let his videos live, which at the time Carlos was frustrated about because he noted that he's still allowed to put videos on YouTube and he's making all this money from all this merchandise, including this one that has a derogatory term for gay people. Mm -hmm. And he is still on other platforms and using YouTube now as just a marketing mechanism. Mm -hmm. So he shouldn't be anywhere at all. YouTube definitively did not remove steven from the platform although they have removed like recently especially people like david duke and other hateful individuals david duke's still around i mean really for for people that they put on the platform but um and then youtube changed its policies as a result of this too YouTube said the incident made the company realize it had not gone far enough to protect against patterns of harassment. So the updated policy mandates the removal of videos that contain insults based on race, gender, and sexual orientation. It took him a few months to come up with a cohesive policy. When they did in December, Stephen Crowder also removed the offending videos that would no longer comply with that policy. Also, he stopped selling the shirt earlier on. Did he remove them or did they remove them? He removed them. Okay in order to become more compliant with the partner program. And did he ever issue
0: any sort of apology or anything? Probably not.
1: He issued a fake apology, uh-huh. at least at one point. Okay. Where he was he was he said, I'm sorry for and recited all the times he had said terrible stuff. Um and so he's a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so now he's compliant with YouTube policies. YouTube said it's been monitoring the channel. And they let him back into the YouTube Partner Program yesterday. And being part of the YouTube Partner Program is a big deal because now he can monetize his roughly 15 to 30 million views a month he's getting on the mm-hmm. platform, as well as participate in other monetization options on the platform too, like super chats, channel memberships, selling merch directly on YouTube, etc. He's back
0: in. He's back in.
1: Yeah, he's back in. Carlos responded to this exactly how you think he would respond to this in a Twitter thread that basically looked at all the recent videos that Steven Crowder had published gave his argument for how they're against YouTube's policies, against hate speech, against other features of YouTube policies. And then basically he says he said it in June and he'll say it again. YouTube has a tremendous profit incentive to keep hate speech on the platform. Hate performs well and drives up the company's numbers. It has never had any interest in enforcing its rules and uses them solely to distract journalists. This is the big but for YouTube. Mm Mm-hmm. YouTube facilitates a ton of creators' careers and gives lots of independent businesses the ability to thrive and survive on an online video platform where they would have no distribution mechanism before. It's Mm -hmm. truly, like, magical and wonderful in that aspect. Mm -hmm. But it also has content like this and conspiracy theory content that has been known through... Like Kevin Roos at the New York Times has done some great reporting on this where mm. this type of content has been known to be this rabbit hole that can radicalize people and mm-hmm. give give that the algorithm can kind of pull unwitting people into conspiracy theories before they even know it. So this all ties into it. I feel like YouTube, at least in this specific instance, had to think about how they're applying their practices unilaterally and their policies unilaterally across all its creators. Thought that Steven Crowder had reformed to the extent that they needed him to, so let them back in.
0: I don't even think it's about them thinking that he reformed because I don't think that that's from a policy standpoint. You know, having been inside a platform, you're not looking for somebody to quote unquote reform. You're looking for somebody to not break your policy. So even if they're doing things that you might find as a human being, like pretty despicable yeah like it's just like does this violate the policy because at the end of the day they're an open platform and they're trying to make it a safe space but also a fair space for people on like every side of the aisle and all this sort of stuff so so that they came to the conclusion or the powers that be came to the conclusion that he has done enough that complies with policy and you know you know at the end of the day i think the larger debate is that like depending on what side you know you kind of reside on in this argument it's like well why do they have to be so open you know they're not the government they're not you know what i mean and that that's that's also the argument a lot of people make about facebook it's like you know zuckerberg is sort of his whole thing is like it's either we're either free speech or we're china and it's like well that's kind of a crazy argument and also Nobody called, nobody said you were the government. Like, you, you, you're you not the constitution. Like, no, this, who said anything about free speech? Like, it's just, it's not, these are not, yet on the other hand, these platforms have become in many ways more large, larger and more powerful than like the government. So, and I think that's the mindset of the people that run these platforms is that they know the power they hold. So they have to try to think of themselves in certain ways, like that, they have to be fair to all sides of every argument. And so they try to be as unemotional as possible when making policy and 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 uh, implementing policy. And I think that's where this came from. But it's just, it's a really it's a tough position. Policy is is I think the toughest place to be in in these platforms because you're you're absolutely never going to please anybody or sorry everybody you are going to please some people but you're not going to please everybody
1: i don't i don't envy the position these policymakers are in nor the people that have to adjudicate that's number two adjudicate number three whether or not they um someone someone meets these policies or not yeah but uh, and this is kind of the hopeful optimistic outlook it seems like it's leaning towards being more prohibitive of this kind of content.
0: All right, we are, oh my God, we've been talking so long. We, a couple up, there's a lot of cool uploads I just wanna mention. So VidCon, after you know, going completely virtual and they're doing these sort of weekly events, sometimes daily, they have registered fifty thousand uh, virtual viewers, uh, which I think is really, really cool, and I'm excited about that for them. And they've, they're announcing a singing competition, so you know this really pushed VidCon, the largest digital conference, to build up their digital kind of offering. And I, and I, you know, being on the advisory committee, uh, I know this is something that they're not thinking is going to go away in any way, shape, or form. Even like when we're back to some sort of semblance of a, a normal world, and so it's exciting to see that people are are because there was you know a lot of concern about like how are they going to make this exciting and different and you know do they do this in just like one weekend a big conference or in and the decision to kind of do several you know ongoing kind of events has clearly it's done it's done pretty well for them so congratulations to VidCon I think it's really exciting
1: one real quick upload Shroud huge gamer just returned to Twitch in in an exclusive deal after his Mixer contract ran out when Microsoft shut down Mixer relatively unexpectedly it was reported at the time that buying Shroud out of the end of that contract could have cost upwards of $10 million. Who knows how much Twitch has given him in order to be exclusive to that platform. I imagine maybe it's not that much anymore because there's less players in the game. There's basically YouTube, Facebook gaming, and Twitch. YouTube, I don't think, is paying huge dollar amounts to exclusive for exclusive gamers. Twitch has and probably still is, and no one wants to go to Facebook gaming who's serious about gaming. So I'm wondering if it hit that amount. I don't think so. But his return was epic. He got over 516,000 max concurrent viewers. Over 2.9 million people turned into the live stream. He had an average of 222,000 viewers at any, any given time over his seven-hour stream. So props to Shroud. Pop, props to Twitch for picking him up.
0: It's just notable that, like, nobody's going to Facebook gaming. <laughs> it's just, I shouldn't say nobody, but it's just, you know, considering that they were like, open arms, come join us. And everybody's like, eh, I'm good.
1: Yeah. Maybe it'll be the place for casual gamers. We'll see.
0: Uh, we'll see. Casual gaming. All right, Josh. We've talked a lot.
1: Lauren, we talked a lot. I think we did it.
0: I think we did it.
1: I'll see you on Facebook gaming. Casually. Or next week on Planet Upload. Today's show was produced by Lauren Schnipper and me, Joshua Cohen. Original music is by London Bridge. You can check him out on Instagram at London Bridge Music. Make sure you subscribe to Planet Upload on Apple Podcasts. Or if you are on Android, check us out on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like our show, please recommend it to a friend. Rate it five stars on the App Store. Leave a comment. If you do not like our show, maybe just go for a walk or something. Either way, we'll see you next week on Planet Upload.